Welcome to the Yes Collective podcast. If you're hearing this, then you are not on our private members-only podcast feed where we have our public episodes like this one, but tons more amazing mental wellness content, including our therapist circles, on-the-go articles, parent-focused meditations, and special episodes you won't want to miss. So head on over to yescollective.co, become a supporting member, and we'll get you your own private podcast feed today. Hey there, welcome to the Yes Collective podcast. This week, we talk to executive matchmaker and mom, Sophie Singer. She finds life partners for CEOs, lawyers, brain surgeons, and other high-powered individuals. But on this episode, she's bringing her years of experience to the world of friendship. We talk about why it was so much easier to make friends as kids, whether parenthood makes it harder to find really good new friends, how we can find new good friends in adulthood, and how we can nurture these friendships and so much more. So tune in to hear us dig deep on friendship with the amazing and wise Sophie Singer. So Sophie, I do want to start this podcast though by just surfacing the fact that we are friends that like, so we have friends on the podcast, but many of our podcast guests are just experts, therapists, mental health professionals we bring on and they share their wisdom with us. But Sophie, we are friends and we are fellow childhood cancer parents. So we have these connections uh, and so I just want to just like bring that to the surface that this is just a conversation amongst friends. All right. Yes, let's do it. Sophie, this month in the Yes Collective, the theme is about emotional health and friendships. And so I thought it'd be really awesome because one of the things that we're dealing with throughout the month is how do we make friends, keep friends, maintain friendships as parents now we have our lives are full we are now grown well okay we're grown ass adults and (laughs) how do we do this and so you came to mind because you are an executive matchmaker so you help people come together but of course for romantic life partnerships but i thought oh maybe sophie has some wisdom around this whole friendship thing Um, so first I'm just going to ask right at the beginning, how do you feel about talking about friendships? I know your specialty is about romantic matchmaking. Are you okay with this? Like, how do you feel about 100%, 100% okay. I actually feel like I'm a major expert on friendships too. (laughs) Um, you have a lot of friends. Okay. So Sophie, I just want to say. I have known you like I feel like I've really gotten to know you well, maybe, I don't know, three months or or something like it hasn't been that Mm -hmm. long. And already I do feel like we're really good friends. I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah, Sophie, we're but (laughs) I am shocked. You have like you have so many friends. (laughs) You you have a lot of friends. I have a lot of friends. I was thinking about it actually today um, and I was thinking about it in reflection of listening to the last podcast you guys put up um, about friendship. And I honestly, I'm very lucky and honestly privileged 
to have grown up in one place, basically my whole childhood. We didn't move around, right? We were in San Diego, but like we moved to different parts of San Diego. But like I was in San Diego from when I was, I don't know, three or four or five. And then we did not move. That was it. And so when I was like six years old, my parents sent me to this Jewish school, San Diego Jewish Academy, and my kids go there now. And like, I had this group of friends and we just stayed friends. I mean, it was like all the way through high school. I went to college with some of them. I went to college with Tammy. I mean, most people do not have that. Like I would say majority of people do not have that. And so we do have this really special group. Um, and again, maybe we've stayed together all these years because we were lucky enough to be together all the years and we've been together through one another's traumas and all sorts of life events. But yeah, I do have a lot of friends, but I've always loved making new friends everywhere. And I'm still really good friends, like best friends with like a handful of my college besties and then work. And then I don't know, I just keep gathering them. (laughs) So it's not your professional expertise, but you do have a natural expertise around friendships then. So (laughs) I do, I do, but it really, the more we, I thought about this going into this podcast, platonic friendship as adults and dating really have a lot of parallels. (laughs) Mm. All right. So let's get into it. First, I would love to know, how did you even get into this? This is such a unique field. When I first heard that this is what you do for a living. I like my mind was more like, what? Oh, I I thought that was only in the movies. I, I, but mm-hmm. yes, this is a, a real thing. Yeah. Um, my husband always says, whenever I say my wife is a professional matchmaker, he's like, Jeff Bezos could be in the room and everybody will just turn and be like, wait, what? Tell me about it. Like, <laughs> totally, doesn't matter. Totally. It's like matchmaker. Um, yes. And people are like, oh, you do that for a living? Like you make money. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yes. that's my job. So, yeah. um, it happened. It, I was just kind of called to it through my own um, life experience. Um, I broke off an engagement in my late 20s and I was kind of back on the dating scene, full blown, like looking for a husband and like a baby daddy. I was like, I need to get married and have kids because that's like the next thing. And um, most of my friends were already married and starting to have families by then. And so I was like really behind. <laughs> And then I had to do online dating and that was kind of a trip. And so I had never dated before, really. I had just had like a handful of like serious boyfriends. So dating was really difficult emotionally. I mean, it's just a roller coaster and it can like really mess you up. And so it was hard. And so I had like a therapist for these years that I was dating. And I had a couple people that I kind of went to as like mentors to just like help me, I called it like the trenches of dating. Like when you're mm. actually actively dating and then you throw in online dating where there's like all these options and you go on a date. And then the next day you see, you go on the website and you see that the guy you went out with last night's also online right now. Well, why is he online right now? I mean, it's just such a like, <laughs> it's just complete- so foreign to me. So Audra <laughs> and I met, uh, so Audra and I met in college. I mean, I was, I think I was 19 
And oh like we God. dated other people for a long time. But, and so I don't think we became romantically involved until I was maybe 23 or 24. But, so but then after, but after, after that was done, it was like, boom, we're getting married. And here, here we are. This yeah. was like, <sighs> there was no on, if, if there was online dating in 1999 <laughs> or the year 2000 or whenever, like, I, I don't, I don't think there was, but so this is, this, this feels like, is it true that online dating? I mean, of course, it's just it is the way things are now. But it is. Is it, it like is it worse? Like, do you do you do you think people actually had it better before the internet? Oh, it's so hard to say, but I'm going to say yes, they had it better. Um, the options are so much more plentiful, and honestly, I met my husband online. So why am I saying this? But. Oh, it is brutal. It's just it's, so yeah, brutal. What you described and you said the trenches and yeah, it's, it's brutal trenches. and the trenches <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, that's a, like, that is a world war one metaphor. You know? Like millions that's of people died felt. in the trenches. Yes. Oh my God. That's how I felt. I felt like I was emotionally getting beat up and mm. it was really hard. And I was calling my therapist all the time. Like what is going on? Like just all these weird things happening, right? Like you go on a date, you kiss a guy, good night. Then you go home, you're kind of butterflies and oh, like thinking about what could be. And then the next day you get like a pop-up notification that someone messaged you and you go on the app and you see that they messaged you and you're like, oh, but then you notice that the guy you just went out with online now, like you could see that he's logged in and like, what a mind F like, you're like, wait, what it was. I just remember being like, this is so messed up from the beginning. So anyway, it was, it was pretty gnarly. Um, but I, it also, you know, there's just, anyway, there's so much to it. So I ended up dating a lot online, offline. I met people, I traveled for work. I was meeting people at trade shows and having long distance boyfriends. And in the end, like, I was the go-to girl. First of all, everybody loved hearing my dating stories because I share. I'm a sharer, as you know. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So I would be like, oh, my God, check out this crazy date I went on. Like, it was just comedic. You know, it was like I had all the good stories. And then, and I'm really open. So I'll share every detail. And everybody was like all over that. And then I got really good at dating. Like, it took me years of, like, therapy and practice. And I got good at it. and so. Then people started sending me their friends like, oh, Sophie, you need dating advice or you need help with your profile or whatever. Mm. They would send me people. And then I started charging hourly for that on the side of like my regular job. And I really enjoyed it. And I was like, yeah, this is cool. And then when I met Michael, it was like, oh, she did it. Like then suddenly I got a lot of referrals and I really enjoyed it. And I was like, it would be so amazing to have a career where I can like relieve the discomfort of this for mm. other people and make it easier, just easier to navigate until you find your person. Right. Yes. And so yes. I did the date coaching. And then after I had the twins, um, I was like in between jobs, I couldn't travel anymore. And someone posted my cousin's friend posted that the matchmaking agency she worked at was hiring and they were pretty small then. I mean, not small, but compared to now, it's like the largest matchmaking agency in the country. So I got hired and 
I mean, within three months, I had a couple engaged um, that I'd set up and I was like, Damn. this is it. Like this is, yeah. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, so it was right. my jam. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. So yeah. So that's so what happened. You were hooked. Yeah. You were hooked. Yeah. All right. So transitioning into this friendship thing here. All mm -hmm. right. So I'm now curious as you've had a chance to reflect. And I mean, this is kind of obvious, but I really like to, to start in the most obvious places. What <laughs> is the difference between a romantic life partnership and friendship is it is it just sex i mean if you if you take sex out of it like is it basically the same thing what 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 do you think yeah so i mean i think sex the physical intimacy is like the obvious main difference between the two but even the way you approach it to like approach a potential life partner or romantic partner versus a friend. So when you go into when you're meeting a new person, if your intentions are to date, immediately your mindset is like, am I attracted to them? Can I see myself spending my life with them? Like I was dating and I was like interviewing fathers and husbands, really. And that's what my clients do too. And I'm like, stop, yeah. stop doing that. But we all do it naturally. That's how you go into a dating scenario. Whereas when you meet a new person oh, without so that's any, interesting. Yeah. so wait, when you said that you interview fathers and husbands, do you mean you're interviewing this person for the role of yes. father? And yeah, yes. So, so yes, right. And so that would be a big difference because when, when you are getting to know somebody to see if they're going to be a friend, you don't <laughs> have them pegged and like, no, are you going to exactly. be the friend who does this with me? Or are you going to be that friend or you're just mm -hmm. like, okay, or yes. Yeah, so let's hang out. There's, there's this role specific thing. Yeah. I, okay. Right. But it puts so much less pressure on the connection. And I try to encourage my clients all the time, like let go of the outcome. Like I know I'm setting you up on a date, but like, just see if you want to hang out with this person again, <laughs> like go in as if you're maybe meeting a friend, a business partner, a who knows, right? There's so much pressure when people go on a date. And then there's like the, they're like, oh my God, is there a spark? Am I attracted to them? You don't think that when you meet a friend at a party, when you get, you know, like if you're talking to a new person, you're not like, oh, like, do I want to take their clothes off? Like, am I, you know, like there's just none of that usually. So you take out the physical yeah. intimacy, the physical part of it. And then, but this other part is really similar. You're thinking, do I want to spend more time with this person? Like, would I yeah, like, like to go out to lunch? Do we want a second date? Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. I tell people, the purpose of a first date is to find out if you want to go on a second date. It is not yeah. to find out if this will be your future husband, wife, parent of your children, none of that. I mean, and that's so, but, but when you take physical intimacy, I think what happens is like when two people meet, right? And they could have just been friends, but then there's the physical connection and there's, some sort of a hookup, right? Happens. All what this does is it adds this new layer of feelings and the feelings come from a physiological process, right? Like there's this amazing hormone that I love to talk about called oxytocin and oxytocin can really mess us up. I mean, especially women, are you familiar with oxytocin and all the wonderful yes, things yes. it does? Yes, yes, yes. The, <laughs> um, the, the hugging bonding hormone, yeah. Yep, and women tend to 
release a lot of oxytocin, much more than men actually. Um, our, we produce a lot more and we release it a lot, a lot of it when we're breastfeeding our children and also when we have an orgasm. And so, and men do too. And so this creates this like extra layer of feelings and attachment that feels very real. And then suddenly there's like new rules and reactions and emotions around this new connection, right? So if you meet someone, you hang out, you have dinner, you have a great night, you say goodnight, bye, and they don't text you the next day, you're not probably even thinking about it much. Like maybe you're like, oh, I would like to hang out with that person again. But if you hooked up that night, mm, okay, the next morning you are women, especially, but men also, you are, you've got that phone out. Who's going to text who? Are they going to text me? Am I going to see them again? Oh, so much starts happening, right? Yeah. So automatically I'm hearing this. There are levels then when we're talking about a romantic relationship. So if you just go out on that first date and you just talk, you have a good time, nothing happens beyond that. And so you're, you're at like maybe just the first level. Like, I don't know. But then Friendship. Just the, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll like, we'll see if we, you know, connect again. And then the next level up is like, okay, well, if we hook up, you know, then, then we're on to now another level. I would imagine, I mean, I, this world is so in the, <laughs> so far in the past for me, I'm imagining uh, the, at least one other level before life partnership were together forever. But, um, there are these levels to romantic relationships. And so I'm curious if you see these same levels in friendships. I, I mean, yes, like we know, like, okay, that's an acquaintance and that's a really good friend. Yes. Do you see the same thing? Yeah, I think. But what's cool. Yes, there are obviously different levels of friendship. And also, but, but the best part about friendship is that there's so much more fluid. So it's really mm. hard in romantic relationships to go yeah. back a level. You can't, it's oh, really God. hard to backpedal, like really hard. Oh, I haven't thought about that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so when you make a new friend or even with friendships that I've had my whole life, oh my God, there's such an ebb and flow to those friendships yes. or even the friendships I've had for the last five years, nine years, two years, five months. It doesn't matter. It's like, there's just this ebb and flow and both people can show up as much or as little as they want to or can. And that like, like the, the parameters are so there's just so much more elasticity to it. Oh, that's fascinating. You can't go back in these romantic relationships. And that's why when, when there's a divorced couple and we hear that they're still friends and that like everything's cool and they can still hang out. Like that's mind blowing. Like what? Because, <laughs> and that's because of this assumption, like you just can't go back. a level. Well, yeah. And that becomes really complicated too, because, you know, parents, pe single, you know, sp oh, yeah. divorced couples who have to, they have to co-parent usually right. you would hope right. that they are right. Right. And, a very close, warm, amicable co-parenting relationship is really like ideal um, for yeah. the kids, right? And every everybody, really. But then you have these people who are dating and meeting new partners 
And then the new partners are like, wait, they're like so close with their ex. Like this feels threatening. And so I, I just feel like I think that as adults and as parents, I think it's just important not to put so much pressure on our, our husbands, wives, spouses, life partners to give us all of that, that friendship, right? Like we can't get it all from one person. The rules are set for our life partnership. Okay. Like you've hooked up a ton. You're married. You've got kids. There's like all these, I mean, that's really has very little flexibility to be honest. And so I think that's why having friendships as an adult, as a parent outside of your home life partnership is so important. It really okay, is. So I just, I just remembered one of the really great quotes from the podcast that we released at the beginning of August mm-hmm. with Blake. And she says that she thinks about friendships as living organisms. So I heard a that. friendship is I a living it. organism like this, this, you know, you, and, and I love it. Cause like you really, you, you cultivate it, you nurture it. And, and, you know, like things change. There's this like developmental arc, but I have to think that romantic partnerships are also living organisms. Like the, they are. you said that they're the, yeah, that they, that they have all these rules and they're more structured. And so I was thinking, okay, what's the difference between these living organisms? And I, I don't know, this just popped into my head. The romantic relationship is <laughs> the living organism where you're like, this thing has to bear fruit. Like, cause this is what I, the, like, I'm going to need the fruit to survive. Like I'm going to need the fr- fruit to like, yes. this. so it's like, oh my God, this thing I need to take so like, I cannot mess this thing up. Uh, but then the other friendships can kind of come and go. It's like, you don't need to flower. You don't need to produce any fruit. Maybe sometimes you will, and maybe sometimes you won't, but it's like, <laughs> it's all that. good. Yeah. Yes. So I, <laughs> that's really a great. <laughs> yes. I love that. That's true. Um, I think it's like that the, our, our life partnership should be where we put the most kind of focus and energy on nurturing. Right. And, and the nice thing is that the more connections you have outside of that, the less kind of pressure there is, right. To like make everything at home feel perfect. If you have, if you're, if you're getting your emotional needs met in multiple different ways, right. Because one person can't do it all, you know? That's right. Yeah. That's, that's a that's a big thing. I in a previous academic life, uh, one of the things I loved to study was this transition, like basically this transition from old world traditional communities to these modern societies that we now live in, and that if we we can we we can actually trace the history of love and like <laughs> like the history of um, paired partnerships and that they used to be part of these large social networks, you know, and so we wouldn't expect all of our needs to be met by just one other person. But then right. the modern world comes along and in these modern societies, like, Oh my God, now all everything I need in life is mm-hmm. now put onto this other person. So right. I'm imagining now that this is probably a really big reason why friendship is so important. Like, is this the key for you? I I think it is honestly. And 
I, as a matchmaker, I mean, look, obviously my clients hire me to find them a romantic partner. Um, but oftentimes I watch these connections unfold as friendships and those have happened to me also. So I have a lot of friends that I made over the years as that started as a first date <laughs> and they evolved into that. So do you have any friendships where things got really <laughs> serious and then you were able to pull it back to friendship? Because that is what you mentioned before. You like, it's really hard to go back. Okay. Those friendships. Yes. I'm still friends with men. I actually dated, um, which my husband and I laugh about all the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like he'll meet someone and be like, uh, has he seen you naked? I'm like, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. We're cool. Like he has his own list and I have mine. So we're cool. Like it's all good. Like we're like, we, neither of us are bothered by it, but so yes, I happen to be, but I'll tell you, those friends are not, they're not people I'm friends with, like talk to on a very regular basis, but they're still like, we're in each other's lives. We hop in and out when it feels right, we're connected. I mean, look, Facebook, Instagram, it's just <laughs> yeah. so easy to stay connected very loose, like on such a surface level. Oh, okay. So wait, earlier we mentioned how the online situation, just being online, social mm -hmm, media, mm -hmm. everything has affected the dating scene. How do you think it's affected friendship? Oh, honestly, I think it's actually amazing for friendship. I. Mm. I love it. <laughs> I encourage parents. So I, like I said, I'm so lucky that I have friends still that I talk to every day almost for like 39 years. <laughs> That's very unusual. But um, I think that a lot of times, like I've had people reach out to me on Facebook or I've reached out to them just because I felt this like, ooh, I saw a post from like an old friend I'll, I'll just send her a message because that really touched me. Not a public message, like not a comment, like a person, a direct message. And then suddenly we like rekindle this little connection. And then sometimes that turns into something really seasonal, but amazing. Um, mm. And so I think that a lot of times people are insecure about like, oh, I would love to reconnect with that person. Like do it. There you go. It's so yeah. easy. You're hiding behind so a computer easy. screen and you never know, like you might just reach out and like have this, this like a new spark happen again, right? With like an old friend and get on a FaceTime and then end up planning a trip to see each other if you don't live in the same place. Or sometimes people will move. Like, let's say you grew up with somebody and then they live somewhere further, like somewhere else. And then you realize that they moved back. Go grab coffee or say hi I think it's so hard for parent, working parents and just all parents to create and, you know, create friendships and also meet new people. You can also go back to connections that you've had from so long ago. And yeah. I think Facebook is a really great way to do that or Instagram. The connections that we had so long ago and then reconnecting mm -hmm. with those people. I've had this experience as well. Like, oh, we were like really good high school friends and then we lost, lost track. And then, oh, now we're connecting again. And it's almost like this instant, like we can just pick back up. Yes. But making a new friendship at like, I'm 45 years old, making a new friendship today. 
Well, with you, Sophie, it has been just a breeze. <laughs> but beyond that, I, you know, it, it's like it's it's more challenging. And so what do you think makes it so different? Like, why is it so much easier to make friends when we're kids and and teenagers than it is to make friends as adults? Oh, God, because kids are just so zen, like moment, like in the moment, like, oh, cool. We're like playing the same like video game right now on our phones, like or whatever. Right. Like I I watched I watched Ori the other night sit down next to my friend Sydney's son and suddenly like they had never met before. They were playing war with cards. It, we're like, here's a deck of cards. They just went at it. Like, I was like, oh, God, this is so awesome. Like, it's so hard to even, they're playing because they're playing. And as adults, we don't play that much anymore. We're just like, our brains are so like going. Okay, so that, okay, what I, what just popped into my head is I'm thinking, absolutely, I totally remember that being in elementary school and how much easier it would, it, it, how easy it was to make friends be like, we're just going to go out on the playground and play yeah. soccer together or, you know, mm -hmm. what, it's just boom, we're all, we're all together. And it is this play. But then, of course, middle school comes along, things get awkward, it's weird and hard. And I remember that it, that that's how I felt. And then on into high school and, you know, I connecting with some friends. Um, what I'm about to say, though, I want to say, parents, if you're listening to this in the car and you don't want your children to hear, you don't want to he them to hear things about high school that you would rather them not hear. You can pause now. One thing that I'm realizing is one of the reasons I really got into smoking cannabis. I mm -hmm. call it cannabis now to be proper, yeah. you know, weed, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. In high school is that it was like an instant way to connect with other totally it was like Always. it was basically what toys and playing were when when yeah. i was a kid it was like oh you smoke weed i smoke weed we can hang and then boom the walls oh, come yeah. down and now and now we're connected and boom my social network expanded so much <laughs> because of weed <laughs> I know. Mine did too. <laughs> I mean, weed and alcohol were just yeah. wonderful for that. Like, yes, all the walls come down. Like all the like, you know, the anxiety, the social anxiety, the neuroses, like all that but, stuff. But like we also have have this yeah, so that stuff comes down, but it, it was almost just like the simple act of just sm oh, yeah. smoking of just like oh, now yeah. we're doing something together mm -hmm. and this is this is connected. Here, hit us. this, hit this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we're, we're so, good. well, this is another <laughs> thing. Yeah. So now as an, as an adult, as a parent, I imagine if I developed a like regular cannabis habit, I might be able to expand my friend group again. But outside of that, <laughs> I don't outside know. Outside of that. <laughs> maybe I don't not. know how that's no, going to like affect your productivity now. Like, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. But it does help me to reflect on maybe why it might be harder to make new friends as an adult. So Sophie, yeah. how, yeah. Can, can, can you, can you speak a little bit about this? So let's just start, start here. How do you make new friends? Like, what is your way? Like, how do you do it for yourself? I was thinking about it before we did this, like the friends I've made as a parent, 
like new friends, right? That came after I had children. Um, and it's really hard because our free time shrinks to basically nothing oh, yeah. at first. It's I mean, there's, it's so it's freaking so precious. precious. You just don't, you're like, I don't want to spend any of my free time with anyone unless this totally. is like the shit. Sorry. Oh like God. it's just, you can't yeah. even, yeah. it's like gold. It's like, it's just, you're so, <laughs> and I'm so picky about it. Um, and, and to be honest, this really does parallel with what I do for people for a living. I mean, these people are like busy executive, single parents running their businesses. They're paying me for that time to like find people, meet them, sort through them, and then just give them like the nuggets like that are really good potentials, but can't do that with friendship. Okay. So I encourage, like, I found that like my best friends and, and really like today, I would say to date, I have like probably one really, really close friend that I made as my kid, after my kids were born, like maybe more, but my friend Kim comes to mind and she was just here yesterday her twins and my twins went to preschool together. Yeah. And so we would sit on the playground and talk and just shoot the shit. Like we would be like, okay. Um, And we became, well, it didn't, it obviously helped that Sasha and Ori and Lila and Ellie were just like more like happiest together. But um, we really like, really liked each other. And she would ask me for dating advice because I'm a matchmaker. And I was actually there the day she told me about her first date with her husband that she just married two weeks ago. (laughs) So that was seven years ago. (laughs) So it was just, and what I, what I'm getting at is if possible, when your children are young and you do supervised play dates where it's, a playground or at someone's house, you don't just drop off a four-year-old at someone's house. You're there with the other parent. That is like a really good time to screen them as a friend, right? I call it screening and matchmaking. I'm going to screen this match for you, but it's just a little kind of forced together time, but it's limited. It's like a first date. You're like, your kids are playing and you can chat. And it's, it has this, uh, well, I like to use the word, like instrumental. So it's like, we're not really doing this because we're screening each other. Right. We're here because we need to supervise our kids. And so it's super low stakes that it like, Hey, mm-hmm. like I, I have no obligation to reach back out to you. You have no obligation to reach back right. out to me. So it's like as low stakes. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So there's just no pressure and you could get to know. And then, and then like, if things are jiving, you're like, yeah, okay. Like this could actually be a friend again. It all goes back to letting go of the outcome. (laughs) Like, I'm like, when you're not focused on the outcome of a human connection, I think it just allows things to just organically unfold, however they're going to unfold. And so, and it's nice, look, but not all of us have little kids anymore. So look, my, my twins are nine now. I mean, the other day I had a mom approach me at camp who was like, Hey, our girls really like each other. Um, can I give you, can I get your number? Like, I want to do a play date with them. And I was like, Whoa, this is moving like really fast. <laughs> like, What's my that number? Is, yeah. Like that's Shoot. the equivalent of like, uh, like 
kissing before we've yes. even like gotten yeah, to know like, each other's names. Yeah. <laughs> it was really like, whoa. I was like, this is like, we just jumped to second base right away. Yeah, yeah. Um, slow, but yeah, slow your, slow your roll. Exactly. And it does get awkward also. I think like sometimes when our kids make friends and then you're like with the other parents or you're at a birthday oh, party or whatever. And then like other parent, another parent is like, Oh, we should get, to, uh, we should do a double date, you know? And I'm like in my head thinking, there is no way <laughs> I want to do that. If I think of people on a spectrum um, yeah. a whole continuum of like people who are just naturally super social and boom, boom, they're out there. And then people who are more introverted and quiet and to themselves. Sophie, I think you are on the far end of the more social spectrum. Like you are like, you're, you're, you're out there, you're connecting, you are I a am. connector. That's, that's why you're such a good executive matchmaker. But I want to, like slow down just a, a, a little bit and recognize that for a lot of people who are going to be on the other end, who are going to be more introverted are going to be much more maybe in their heads about that interaction of yes. how do I approach another parent? How do I know? Like they might be the, the parent who, who goes too fast because they're like, I don't know how to like, uh, you know, how do I approach that? Like, I think I might be friends with this person or I, I, I could be, I could see myself becoming friends with this person. So I'm going to ask and see if they want to go on a play date with our kids. Right. How, what advice do you have for that parent who is more introverted and is like looking for ways to connect and is afraid of moving too fast? I uh, don't move too fast. Just think but of like, like a really like ask the, them on a yeah, first so, date. So, so first parent, what mom, dad date, I, I don't know. To me, that is like, like, first of all, if your kids are young enough to do the play date, that's a perfect go-to. Like, let's do a play date. That's like a no brainer. Again, that goes back to like, we're just doing this for our kids and then you can see how that goes. So, but for those of us who have older kids, like I dropped Sasha off on that play date. I wasn't there. I mean, I was just yeah. like, Good luck. <laughs> you seem cool. Yeah. Um, so, but, yeah, I was really kind of rolling the dice there. But, um, but no, but like for people who have older kids, like, you know, nine, 10, 11, whatever. And they're, they're, but they're like noticing that there's another parent that through the school or wherever, or through activities that the kids do. I mean, you can do a couple different things. So first of all, you could do something really low pressure, like, hey, we should grab coffee sometime. Or, hey, after drop off, do you want to like grab coffee or something? Little lower stakes than we should get a glass of wine or we should go out in the evening. Evenings tend to have more pressure in general. Um, and by the way, as a matchmaker, I actually highly discourage coffee dates because they're so horrifically unsexy and unromantic. And so mm. they feel more like a very platonic or even interview. So I'm just like, those are perfect for like, and again, you have to think about whether that parent works. Maybe they drop their kid off and go right to work. Um, whereas others don't or have more flexible. Uh, I've had people approach me uh, and be like, cause they know that I go for walks after drop off sometime, like if you both, if like, just find something that, you know, maybe the two of you have in common, right? Like 
if you're both people who probably work out like, hey, do you want to go for a like drop after we drop off our kids or whatever, like go for a quick walk or a hike or like I said, just really low pressure. Coffee is just so easy. <laughs> it's less than breakfast. Yeah, I'm going to derail this because this is just sticking in my brain. <laughs> Wouldn't it be good? Okay, sorry, for <laughs> the romantic matchmaking sphere for yeah. a new, uh, so people that you're connecting for the first time, if they do go out on that coffee date, because it's so <laughs> unsexy and so unromantic that then if there's a connection in that context, then boom, you've, you've hit gold. It's kind of like a way to really see like, okay, the, like take, take away all the other stuff. Is, is there a con connection? You're uh, you, challenging you can just go straight me. To. You're challenging me <laughs> because I really hate coffee dates for, for dates. I, I, I guess you're right. Like I'm actually being con like I'm contradicting myself because I'm telling you, let go of the outcome, go in like you're meeting a new person, a friend, but also coffee dates are really not sexy and not romantic. And honestly, I'm not, I'm not like hardcore. Like there are certain people who I match who I actually think do need to go on more of a coffee, smoothie, non-standard date. Um, but remember, these people are paying me a lot to achieve the romantic outcome. Yeah. And so if you're just throwing them into just a Starbucks and a like egg, like, right. yeah, that's that Starbucks, that's... broad daylight, <laughs> caffeine, you're drinking yes. caffeine. Yeah, you're like, no, totally, totally. Yeah, you're yeah, just yeah. like, it's so nerve wracking to go on a first date. Coffee can really like really exacerbate nerves. People interview for jobs at right. a coffee house. Like, right. Yeah. It's just so not. Yeah, you're, it's like you're putting up so many barriers to a connection if, 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 if you're doing that. It I, is. All right. It is. Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. I, all that, all that. And, and yeah, so I am affirming your, <laughs> your, your choice there, but the, just that thought came up was like, if in all these barriers, a connection is made, then you know you have the gold. Like <laughs> you've you've struck gold. I mean, I have yet to see to have matched a couple successfully where their first date was a coffee date. So, and I've sent out okay. over fifteen hundred yes, dates. Yes, you. Yeah, right, right. it's a lot. Yeah. You you have some experience there. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just, but but for friendship and for parents, it's awesome. Um and. It's just, I love it. Like, I love that idea. And it's just like super low pressure. Um, the other thing that kind of comes up for me, though, is when another parent approaches me, right? Or maybe you're a more introverted parent, right? And a person and some crazy extrovert like me comes over and is like, oh, we should like, let's go for a hike or whatever. And you're like, um, wait, mm. I don't know. It feels it could be like really uncomfortable in that moment um, because it, it's really hard for people, even extroverted people like me, to be honest in the moment. It's, it's really hard to like reject someone. Right. Oh, or like, my God, it's, it's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard. Oh, yeah. So I thought about this and like I give this type of advice to my clients who go on dates. And at the end, there's the 
so like, we should do this again. I had a really good time. And like, how do you respond if you're not sure? Right. Or whatever. So I would say like, if you're that kind of a little bit more like introverted person and you're being approached by a very outgoing person like me, (laughs) um, I think like a really nice way to respond is to give yourself a time, like more time, right? Like, oh yeah, that could be fun. Um, let's text and see we what like what we can arrange over the next few weeks. Few weeks. That's like plenty of time. There's no like pressure, not like this week or tomorrow. And then you can go home and think about it and decide and then like move slow. So I just kind of yeah, wanted so. to put that out there. Yeah, because it's really hard sometimes for people and even for me sometimes, you know, to be like, no, that doesn't actually sound like something I want to do right now. Uh, Like I'm too busy (laughs) for this new person. I don't know you well enough, you know? So yeah. yeah, So that, that also kind of popped in my head as I was thinking about parent dating and friend friendship dating in the parenting world. As we think about the dating world and the friendship world, I want to also talk about breaking up. And so I imagine you don't really, uh, you're not there for the romantic breakup. You're there to put people together. No, I'm there for, uh, I'm there for both. Oh, no, 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 oh no, no, no. I'm there for some, a lot. Oh yeah. Because, <laughs> oh, I mean, okay. I, I match a lot of people who will date and then they'll date for two or three months and then realize like, okay, <laughs> so there's a lot of breaking so up. <laughs> then ha- All right. There are sometimes friendships where it's time to break up. I mean, it, it, it it happens. So how can you help us think about letting go of a friendship when that time has come? Well, first of all, it's like deciding right for yourself. Like, is this friendship serving me anymore? Like what, what is, what's, what's going on here? Um, I found this happened to me in my life multiple times where a couple times where even somebody that I knew from when I was in college, you know, and we had been like best friends. Actually, it happened with my roommate, one of my roommates in college. We lived together for four years and our lives just took these like really different paths. And she moved to San Diego at some point and just was like suddenly integrated with my friend group. Or I was obviously like, oh my God, you're in San Diego. Like, let's hang out. And, um, it didn't work well. Like <laughs> it was just like really uncomfortable for her. For me, she felt a lot of like, it was just, it just wasn't a fit at the time. We were in like really different places in life. And eventually it hit like a breakup. I think we were just like, re- like at that point, this is like with a history with someone, right? Like uh, we had to like have an honest conversation about it. Um, and it was more just like, listen, like this is not working like ever. Like I I don't feel good when we interact, when we talk. Um, but I don't think that most friendship breakups happen that way. That was like a very honest, raw, long-term one. I think, um, sometimes honestly, things just fizzle. Like, have you ever had that happen? Um, well, that's uh, that ebb and flow, and right. it's where there's just an ebb, and it never flows again. <laughs> exactly, and I think yeah. I think you need to just think about what a friendship 
how that friend makes you feel. Like, how do you feel when they, when you even get a text from them? And I actually just, funny enough, I just had a conversation, I think yesterday or the day before with a girlfriend of mine. I think I even told you about it, Justin, who went on to tell me, oh, I'm having, I'm going to an IFS lecture tonight. Like we had actually not, we've known each other since we were very little. She's part of that crew, the Jew crew. And um, we had really like rifted apart and that was Mm. conscious on her part for the last few years. And yesterday or the day before we talked and she told me, I've just pulled back from you because I felt judged. I felt like you were always trying to fix my singlehood. My, Mm. I mean, it was really, and I, I actually knew it deep down inside. I knew it couldn't help myself with her before. And then now it just, it was pretty rad because we had this like amazing conversation and I almost feel like we just got back together (laughs) (laughs) like this week. And then the flow. It's flowing. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you just need to decide. And that's what she did. She decided it for herself. I was reaching out to her all the time and she was like, "Uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like she was blowing me off as a friend And I didn't push because I kind of knew I'm like, this isn't, she's not down for this right now. And I think we just all need to be aware of like, A, how we feel in a friendship and when it's time to sort of back off, um, let them back off, you back off, whatever it is. Right. Okay. Last friendship question. And then we'll go into our, our Mm -hmm. final three. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to just briefly talk about being a parent and being friends with other parents that makes sense, but being a parent and being friends with non-parents, there feels to me like there's a gap there. Like I can think about my non-parent friends and we're like, we're friends, but it's like, there's something where like, you don't really get my life because being a parent is so radically different. (laughs) It just changes everything. So I'm Mm -hmm. curious, first off, do you have any, non-parent friends who are like super, super good friends. Yeah, I do. Oh, I do. and how was that? Okay. Again, it's going to parallel. Uh, it parallels to dating also. And I'm, I'm doing this because I'm so matchmaker Sophie talking here. This is such a catch 22 in dating because single parents are like, Oh my God, like I want to meet somebody who gets it, who gets the like all consuming existence of being a parent it's just all consuming yeah and you're like oh i just want somebody and then but then the problem is and i think this problem comes in also with adult with with parent friends right if we're at the mercy of our children's schedules activities illnesses, medical conditions, medical (laughs) conditions i mean yeah just throw those some big medical conditions in the mix I mean, suddenly you're like, when can, and then the other parent has their things. And that happens with dating too. It's like, sure, we get each other. And when we're together and connecting, there is so that understanding. And so there's this like bond and understanding and connection that happens between two parents, both in dating and friendship. Um, But it becomes really logistical sometimes. And it's almost difficult to make time or for them to make time and you guys to have the right times line up to spend time together or talk to each other, even on the phone. 
right? Okay, Sophie, I just re- realized um, uh, that I that I, I have this because I do have several really good non-parent friends, like just yeah. dear, dear, dear yeah. non-parent friends. And I just realized I carry this silent, uh, suppressed judgment anytime that we're trying to connect and their schedule mm-hmm, is somehow mm-hmm. – blocked yeah. off and, and i'm just like what are you doing like you yeah. do not have kids you do not like i'm sorry whatever's happening in your too. life i <laughs> yes i carry this judgment like i do stop that. it you should be able to fit into my schedule <laughs> right and that's we have to be careful as parents not yeah, to do that totally, i do the same totally. thing so yeah. i have two i would say two really close friends both from college who are like two of my best friends. I, I know I say that about a lot of people, Justin, but they are, there's like a very, <laughs> yes. trust yes. me, if you ask them, yes. they're going to say the same thing. So, but they're both from college and they're both unmarried with no kids. And there's just something so great about connecting with them. And suddenly I'm not just talking about my kids the whole time. Mm, okay. It's just like, yeah. suddenly I am Sophie yes. pre- mom Sophie and it's yeah 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 it's awesome it's so amazing to be able to just reconnect with like who we are the parts of us that aren't a parent like we're not you know what I mean like who we were before we were parents and just when I am with my friends we talk the ones that are married with kids like we talk about our kids and our husbands and our wives and our every like it's just like those conversations just keep happening. It doesn't it's like impossible to get away from them. But it's so fun to sit down with somebody who isn't all consumed by that. And then suddenly you're like, oh, my God, there's this whole yeah, other whole part of me that world. I miss. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes. So I think oh, I it's important that. and nice. And I really I really enjoy that. But I do the same thing, by the way. I'm like, what? You're busy. Like what? In God's name, could you be doing right now? <laughs> it's like I love it. Yes. Yes. Um, all right. So at the end of every podcast, we ask our guests these three questions. So we just roll roll through them. Just and I love how we can compare um, how each each guest answers these. So the first one is Sophie. If you could put a giant post-it note on every parent's fridge. Tomorrow morning, they wake up, boom, the post-it note is there. What does it say? Okay, this is going to sound like kind of generic, but it's just, it's what I came up with. You can do hard things. Yeah, <laughs> right. You're tired, you're exhausted, your kids' lunches need to be made. Everybody the needs lunch. to get clothed and out the door. <laughs> you can yep. do it. You can do you it. You can and do then- hard things. And then after running that gauntlet, then you have to go to work and mm-hmm. yeah, so you, you can do it. Yeah. All right. So uh, Sophie, is there a quote recently that has changed the way you think or feel? Okay. So I thought about that. I mean, this didn't change the way I think or feel, um, but it definitely ever since I saw this quote, it like fully embodied. Um, my experience as a parent and as like a human in general. Um, it's the Rilke quote, let everything happen to you, beauty and terror, just keep going. No feeling is final. Mm. 
Beautiful. Yes. And <laughs> yeah, in my work, Liz, this is part of the like, welcome everything thing. Yeah. Like, yep. Welcome. Welcome everything. <laughs> yep. Beautiful. Yeah. And no feeling is final, which, oh my gosh, when your child is having a meltdown and everything feels like it's falling apart, welcome it. No feeling is final. Yeah. Yeah. This is only temporary. Whatever's yeah. just this moment, it's whatever's happening like right now is going to pass. So go through it. <laughs> and then finally, what is your favorite thing about kids? Uh, lately, I've found that my favorite thing is I love explaining to kids these concepts in life that are so mundane to us as 45-year-old grown-ass adults. Um, like something as simple as like, I don't know, just like medical insurance. Like they look at a bill and they're like, <laughs> what is this? Why? And I'm like, oh, this piece of mail, <laughs> here's what's on it. Like, here's how this works. Here's a medical bill or here's a, uh, even like a power bill, whatever. Just like the that sense of like the ability that if you kind of just really get into the moment with kids, like be present, you can kind of relive that like sense of wonder and newness that we just, you lose as you get older and live more years, you know? I mean, uh, I, I had that experience <laughs> this morning with Max on the way to school. And I mean, he, like we've talked about this a lot, but, but it's still, you know, oh, I, I hate school. I hate school. All right. Um, <laughs> and then he's like, why, like, why do we even have to go to school? It's just like training us to just be like cogs in a machine, you know, and Aww. like, just like, like, we're just, <laughs> just, and, and, and so, and so then I had to slow down and, and, and think, okay, wait, is it just about training people just to be cogs in a machine? It's like, yeah, I mean, of course, like the whole Pink Floyd thing, I mean, you know, that, yeah, that's, Pink Floyd. Uh, <laughs> that's, <what I> thought <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> that's been around for, for even like far before Pink Floyd, but, uh, there's actually, you know, so much of life, I think Woody Allen said this, uh, which uh, he's been canceled. So I have to find another no, source for this. I love him but, still, even though oh, <laughs> Sophie, his art uh, is. Canceled. Did you his, see his, the? Did you see the yes. HBO? Yeah, like yes. I mean, no. Right. I know. So anyway, I know. I know. I know. I know. Anyways, but anyways. it's like I separate. I separate. I know. I, I know. We should. Yeah, we should. Person. But in, anyways, the idea is that like ninety percent of success is just showing up just like just just show up so one of the things that if school does nothing more than this it teaches you how to show up on time get yes. your work in on time and yeah. like that's that's so much of life and and you know what it is practice like just all right i have to plan i have to organize my time in such a way so i can show up on time and get my work done on time like that right, right there you know what that's worth the price of admission so. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I had that experience explaining school, school. to my 15 year old who thought it was yeah just some stupid uh, fascist um, <laughs> you know yeah. neo well, conspiracy to crush our spirits. <laughs> Ori actually has had some similar questions on the way to school. Even though he loves school, he's oh, happy good. to go. But he's just like, I just 
he's like, why do we have to go here every day? Like, <laughs> right? he's it's like, a bit much. <laughs> yeah, he's like, why can't we just go? Like, he said, like, I just want to go to college already because he learned yeah. that in college you get to pick what you study. So, oh, oh my gosh, I love same it. Same idea, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Sophie, thank you so much for <laughs> dropping by the Yes Collective podcast to talk about friendship. This is so awesome. And I really value my friendship with you. Feeling is mutual, my friend. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Bye. Hey, if you like what we're doing here at Yes Collective podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Share it with other parents in your life and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yes Collective is a mental health movement for all parents. So let's spread the love.